The Library by Francis Rosenfeld Tenth Scene The next morning the room was an appalling mess. Every object in it had been moved from its place. There were empty cups and glasses everywhere and above it all. The chickens roamed, agitated and making a racket. It's not even Tuesday, was the first thought that popped in Gwen's head, and she examined it with detachment, surprised at how different one's habitual thought patterns became to fit the context. That connecting Tuesdays with chickens was not in the range of thought processes sane people accepted proved to her the psychological normal was not a matter of clear mental standards, but a majority rule. You're normal if most of the people think like you. Who ate all the bread? A voice, which she recognized belonged to number eight, boomed over the chaos. Sorry. Number three sheepishly confessed that tea can build quite an appetite. What happens if whatever you intend to convey is so foreign to your fellow humans nobody resonates with it? Do you not say it, then, and if you do, does it have any more meaning than a nonsensical poem? How many times do I have to tell you? Number eight advanced towards him comically, trying to clamber over a chair and a pile of twisted blankets that were in his path. Gwen expected him to start a fight when he reached the wrongdoer, but he gestured to the latter to scoot over instead, so he could sit next to him on the only couch that was still placed right side up. As he threw himself on it, he kept darting dirty glances at number three, who ignored him. Did you find any eggs? Number eight continued his quest for sustenance, staring at Gwen, displeased. She pointed to a bowl on the edge of the countertop which miraculously escaped whatever had rendered the rest of the room uninhabitable. I can certainly think of things people would consider insane if everybody else didn't agree on doing them as a matter of course. Thank the non-existent deities. Number eight mumbled, while he scarfed down three raw eggs. I was ravenous, starching, for instance, or his and hers showers. You want some? Number eight generously offered her a couple of raw eggs, one of which had not been laid by a chicken. No, thank you. Her stomach revolted, even more so since it was growling. She hated number three badly right now for eating all the bread, with complete disregard for everybody else's needs, only to realize altruism itself belonged to the behavioral category of things people only accept as normal because they all agreed to it. Are you hungry, my dear? Number four raised his voice to reach across the room, because he didn't want to fight his way through the mess to get closer. Yes, she frowned. Very. You know, people can live quite a long time without food. We all think hunger is an emergency because our brains tell us to panic the second the stomach sends them the signal. Are you saying that because there is no food left? Gwen cut the life lesson short. Of course, I could murder a pizza right about now, he mused, in a mellifluous stone that would have lent itself better to the recitation of poetry. Why would you bring up pizza? Number one jumped to his feet in revolt. Does anyone here remember the last time they had pizza? And here's another one. Gwen updated her mental record of oddities, who makes bread and then slathers it with tomato sauce. Delicious. 
It was the night I got tenure. Number 5 started down memory lane. I invited a few friends over to celebrate. You mean to tell me you've been here since you got tenure? Gwen burst against her will. How long ago was that? Now, that was rude, young lady. Number 5's mood suddenly turned sour and completely unnecessary. Ignore her. A few voices encouraged him to continue. We want to hear the story. Story, 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 story. Okay. He yelled, exasperated. It's not that interesting. Every story is interesting. Number four replied. It's just a matter of knowing how to tell it. Fine. I invited a few friends over. Number five started. And, and we had a few drinks. And, and a few smokes. And, and we got hungry, so I ordered pizza. See, this is what I'm talking about. Number four commented. What kind of pizza? What were the names of your friends? How long had you known each other? What did you talk about? How long did they stay? Details. What are you? The secret police. None of your business. Oh, because we have so much stuff here to keep us entertained. Spill. Number five reluctantly obliged filling the Spartan frame of the story with an abundance of detail, none of which seemed to be relevant. And, number four prompted again, when the slow trickle of details came to a stop. What on earth do you want to know, man? In my experience, the most interesting stuff comes up only after you think you've exhausted a subject. I can make stuff up if you wish, number five stared at him, peeved. That would be lovely. Number three and number six jumped at the chance. To tell. We're all insane. Gwen pondered. Calm. It's the isolation. I'm sure. Or the uncertainty. Or both. This is a perfect setting for a psychological experiment. If you have no standards for what it means to be crazy. How can you tell if you're sane? Okay. Here goes. The lion is hiding in the trees. The trees are red. I live inside. What does that even mean? Number one protested. Well, you asked me to make stuff up, didn't you? Thank goodness he didn't do it in Latin, Gwen thought. Although if he did, I probably wouldn't understand it any less. Was this better left and said, even though it holds deep meaning to me? Number five looked hurt. Lorem ipsum dolor met, my friend. Number one retorted. Well, Gwen continued her train of thought. At least we know one person here arrived after the dawn of digital publishing. I wouldn't be so sure about that. Number seven mumbled, irate. You youngsters think the world started with you. Peel off a few centuries, will you? One could argue millennia. Number four joined the conversation, engaging with gusto in a convoluted account, filled with dates, characters, and historical references of the evolution and uses of dummy text. Now that's how you tell a story. He turned to number five, who was already dozing off, after he finished his explanation. Does anything really matter? Gwen asked herself, too perplexed by the eerie narrative, which she knew was perfectly accurate in every detail, to pay attention to her grawling stomach. So help me. This is too strange to be real. I must be on drugs or something. Maybe someone slipped something into my coffee and now I'm passed out on the bus. Dreaming up impossible stuff. 
Ask yourself, what is real? Number one picked up the subject and ran with it. What is real to you? He stared at her intently. She didn't answer, so he continued. If you think real is something that actually exists, and not something imagined, then either your dreams are real, which they actually are, based on how you define real in this context, or your memories are a figment of your imagination. What does that have to do with the price of eggs? Gwen's frustration built to the next level of magnitude. We're all imprisoned here in this limbo by a careless universe that couldn't be bothered to send someone with an iota of intellectual curiosity. What subjects do you consider worth contemplating, pray tell? Number one protested. Everybody, number four raised his voice over the crowd. The bread is here. Eight people stopped in their tracks immediately, suddenly joining in a singular focus. They ate in silence for the next 15 minutes. How? Gwen dared ask, eventually. There is a lot more to mental processes that meets the eye, number four smiled. Achieving most goals is a matter of patience. And skill, number one added. And knowledge, number seven joined the chorus. We are the library, the library. They unsuccessfully tried to wobble to their feet, then fell back on the couch, exhausted and skipped the dancing. The library. Gwen echoed them inside her head, as if in a trance. There is no reality in the absolute. Number one continued his previous argument, now that the full stomachs provided him with a more receptive audience. Only our perception of reality. You can't assess things your senses can't pick up. Oh, yeah? Number five challenged him. What about abstract thinking? What about what's outside reality? There is no such a thing as outside of reality. As far as you know, so much for abstract thinking. Does that even make sense to you? An inside without an outside. Gwen listened to the debates often to a low hum, taking in the concepts without even thinking about them, while her eyes swept across the mess and she wondered how come nobody else was annoyed by it. She was dying to find out how all of this chaos came about, but refused, on principle, to be the only busy body there compelled by social conditioning to clean it up. Number one finished his argument, and then somebody commented on how a certain passage from those barren leaves echoed the principles of the early modernist movement, and Gwen blurted innocently she had never read the book, so they took turns reciting it to her until nightfall surrounded by the chickens, who had come in from the heat and found the monotone sound of storytelling soothing. The library. Gwen's thoughts still echoed in her head long after the story ended. She quietly corrected the arrival time of the last librarian, to place it after the publishing of Fahrenheit 451. If time was advancing in linear fashion, a conviction through which her current situation had poked so many holes she wasn't sure it maintained enough cohesion to uphold.